like I said earlier, uh, this will be a little bit more topical. Um, that is, we're going to be looking at uh, different verses uh, related to this uh, topic, okay? Uh, related to this topic of uh, purpose of prayer. Um, just by way of review, um, if I could have done it over, I would have probably began first with um, this. The first thing we did was, remember the three D's of prayer, right? The whole, that it is about, um, we must, there's a duty to pray. There's a difficulty of prayer. And also there's a delight in prayer. And I know uh, the last two weeks we've looked at Jesus' prayer, Jesus' teaching on prayer. If I had done it over again, I think I would have done the second part is what we would go over today, which is um, the purpose of prayer. Okay? The purpose of prayer. So what I hope, plan to do is this week look at purpose of prayer. Next week we'll look at also um, maybe bad reasons for prayer or maybe insufficient reason for prayer. Okay, I also want to look at even the week after that, maybe the objection. Sometimes you hear things like, if God knows everything, why pray? Okay, I want to deal with even the objection of prayer. Um, and all of this, I think, is hopefully the next few weeks is just hopefully encourage us to think more biblically about prayer. And for my own life, for my own life, just going over this, just thinking about this, just um, you know, just reading books on prayer um, and reading scripture about prayer has actually made me personally. I think it, in this season, in light of the coronavirus situation, has actually I think um, been a season of pruning. Um, I don't have it together with prayer, but even just um, pruning to pray more and to pray. Um, maybe more biblically in how we pray. And I hope uh, even as we look at this week and also this Sunday as we look at Ephesians 1 again, we're picking up the, the part of prayer. I hope that encourages us to think biblically about prayer as we see even examples of different people's prayer with Paul on Sunday and then this week and the next week, you know, um, of our continuous series on a theology of prayer, okay? So today, I want to go and consider the reason why do we pray, Okay. Why do we pray? I think there might be many reasons why we pray. If you think about what kind of prayer there is, there's many reasons why we pray. But I want to look at the big picture, uh, more of the big picture reasons of why we pray, okay? So um, tonight I didn't get to send out the outline and barely finish on time, okay? Um, so we're going to be looking at the purpose of prayer. And I think we're going to look at more of the big picture, not like the individual small things, okay, because I, I have a need, I'm hurt, or... Um, the environment is bad, you know, coronavirus. Those, those are reasons to pray. But I want to look at the big macro, uh, big picture purpose of why do we pray. So if you're taking notes tonight, we're going to be having three A's, okay? Three A's, okay? Uh, three what again? Three A's, okay? Of prayer, okay? So that we would pray purposely even today, okay? So we're going to look at the big macro picture, the big picture uh, the big purpose, the ultimate purposes of why we pray, I think we could kind of delineate them as three things, okay? As three reasons, okay? Um, these are the three A's, okay, if you're taking notes. Uh, the first one uh, is to ascribe glory to God, okay? The first purpose of why we pray is to ascribe glory to God. You guys can still hear me? Victor, you can still hear me or there's things going Okay, just want to make sure, okay. I get nervous when I see Victor like trying to figure things out, okay? Um, number one is to ascribe glory to God, okay? Is to ascribe glory to God. Number two is to associate relationally with God, okay? The key word there is associate. Associate relationally with God, okay? The second purpose of why we pray is to associate relationally with God, okay? Associate uh, relationally with God. Uh, and the third is to ask God 
for, uh, is to ask for God's benefit for us, okay? It is to ask for God's benefit for us, okay? Uh, these three A's, hopefully, um, alliterated will be helpful of what, of the big picture of why we pray, okay? Uh, number one is to ascribe uh, God's, uh, ascribe glory to God, okay? That is to give glory to God. Number two is associate relationally with God. I want to emphasize that prayer is a relationship, okay? Number three is to ask for God's benefit for us, okay? Is to ask for God's benefit for us, okay? These are the three A's in terms of organizing what are the three big picture purpose of why we pray. Uh, and I hope as we go through this, my prayer is that hopefully God will grow our prayer life. And I think just like anything else, um, if we don't think about the reasons why we do things, if we don't think about the purpose, we often we don't end up doing it, true or not. Um, if someone comes up to you and give you all these tips of how to exercise, but you don't ever see the purpose at all of exercising, will you ever exercise? Probably not, right? If someone comes up to you and give you all these medicines, okay, and then give you all these vitamins and say, hey, they're good for you, or just take it, you probably won't take it if you don't understand what's the purpose, okay? What is its function and what is its purpose? Same way I want to consider what is the Bible says is the purpose of prayer, okay? I want to consider this because even two weeks from now, I'm going to go over or I plan to go over even because of yes, no, uh, in our church and my own preaching and our teaching, we often emphasize what? The sovereignty of God, right? We ascribe the sovereignty of God as a big thing, Okay. Yet I also believe in man's responsibility. Okay, we do have a will. And then the question might be sometimes people ask is, why do we pray? What's the purpose of praying if God is all-powerful, if God's all-knowing, or even if uh, if God is sovereign? Why do we pray? Uh, we'll consider that objection. But I think before we even consider that objection uh, and deal with it, I think we must first begin with baby step of even asking, why do we even pray first? Okay, because that's going to contribute in informing us in dealing with that objection, okay? So let's go over the purpose of prayer, okay? With the first one being to ascribe glory to God, okay? Um, so the ultimate purpose of why we pray is ultimately is to glorify God, okay? The ultimate purpose of why we pray is ultimately to give glory to God. Is ultimately to give glory to God. I want to begin first by turning to, uh, in first, uh, to Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. This will be the first verse we're looking at. And we're looking at this to establish point number one of why do we pray? What is the ultimate purpose of why we pray? And by the way, as we look at these three points, these are actually order of priority also as well. Okay, The very first priority of why we pray, number one, the first A is what? To ascribe glory to God. Now, in, to ascribe glory to God, I think the first thing we need to realize is the Bible teaches that God is worthy of glory. God is worthy of glory. And we see this established in Revelation chapter 4, verses 11. Okay, If you guys are turning there with me, I'm reading now from the NASB. If you guys are, are with me. Yeah, okay. Thank you for reading that. You see here, um, in the context, remember every time we look at a Bible verse, we want to look at it in considering its context, right? Um, Revelations 4.11, in looking here, okay, uh, what we see here is, in the context, this is a vision by the Apostle John, okay? 
one of the original disciples of Jesus, the apostle of love, because in the gospel, he wrote Gospel of John. Remember, he always write a lot about love and truth and grace, okay? Um, the apostle John has a vision of something taking place in heaven. Now, in that vision, what we've just read, what Joshua has just read, is this is actually words of praise, okay? Words of praise uh, that's taking place in heaven. Now, who's doing the praise and worship? of God and singing. This is actually a song singing towards God in the throne of heaven. Okay. Who here is singing? You see in verses, look with me in verses eight. Okay. Look with me in verses eight. Who here is singing and worshiping God? It says who's singing here includes, quote, four living creatures, each of them having six wings are full of eyes around and within, okay? So this is some kind of angelic heavenly being, okay, that's singing here, okay? And notice also as well, you look with me in verses 10, there's also a second group who's also involved in the singing and worship to God. And that's actually the 24 elders, the 24 elders. So all these people are worshiping, and I think there might be even a multitude of others also as well, of believers and angels. So, or Some of these are gathering, worshiping God, and notice what they're singing to God about. What they sing to God is also good theology. And the good theology we see in verses 11 is what? Uh, they say to God, notice by the way, it is a prayer because they're saying it to God, and they're confessing a truth about God. And the truth they confess is what? Quote, Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory. Okay, so here we see God, he's worthy of what? Receiving glory. Okay, uh, so God is worthy of receiving glory. And I think there's a sense, looking at the other words that God is worthy of, I think you kind of see, like, I know glory of God kind of seems abstract. It could be very conceptual, but I think the words that are associated with it, you kind of see the synonyms. Okay, if you look, for instance, again, with me in verses 11, he's worthy, what? Glory. Honor and power. So I think glory has some association of honor and some association also as well with power. Okay. Again, the reason why God is worthy includes, uh, well, He is worthy. But then you see in this verse, there's many reasons why God is worthy. But if you notice in verses 11, the reason why God is worthy, one reason, not the only exclusive reason, but one reason as mentioned in verse 11 is what? God is a creator. Do you guys see that? It says, you created all things. Okay. And because of your will, they existed and they were created, okay? Things didn't have to necessarily exist out of pure necessity because of their being in and of itself. The reason why, listen, anything exists, anything that, that has being is because of God's what? Will, as it says here. And because God created all things, there's no exception. Outside of Himself, who is uh, created, a uh, creature, uh, uh, no, correction, creator, everything else is what? Creatures and creation, Okay, so he's worthy of glory. Okay, that verse established that. Now, with that says, uh, in light of this, God is worthy of glory. This is the foundation for why we pray. We also see there's throughout the Bible, it teaches us that we should do things for God's glory. Okay, we, there's other verses. In light of the fact that God is worthy of glory, the Bible teaches that one of the reasons why we exist is actually to glorify God. And we are to sh give glory to God. Now, in the next two verses we'll look at, we're going to establish that everything we do should be for God's glory. Everything we should do should be for God's glory. Turn with me real quick to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. When we turn there, Josh, would you be able to read that out loud for me?
good. Uh, verse 31. Yes. Whether then you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Okay. Yeah, we should do all things for the glory of God, okay? We should do all things for the glory of God, okay? Um, whatever you eat, whatever we drink. When I was younger, um, after I came back from the Marines, the military, from Iraq, I don't know why. Um, I remember one day, you know, because we're always hungry in Iraq. I remember one day some dust went into my nose and my mouth. And I don't know why, I started thinking of a Big Mac. And I started drooling, okay? So when I came back home for one whole year, when I went back, you know, went to community college, all like, I had no appetite for anything. The only thing I could eat every meal for a long time was Big Mac. Probably not the most healthiest thing, okay? And I just stumbled upon this verse, and I remember thinking like, wow, everything we do is for the glory of God. Even when you eat your Big Mac, right? With supersized fries for the glory of God. Now, of course, you want to be healthy and all of that, okay? I'm trying to emphasize here, it says here, everything we do, even what we eat and what we drink. And it says here, whatever you do, it should be for the glory of God. Now, whatever we eat or drink, it should be for the glory of God. How much more so God's command for us to pray for to Him, right? So if everything, even the things that we often think is mundane, eating food is for the glory of God, how much more so should we what? Should we even, our prayer should be for the glory of God. So one of the reasons why we pray is to glorify God. And I think in light of 1 Corinthians 10.31, it gives us also another insight of how do we glorify God. Uh, how do you glorify God eating food? Uh, the Westminster Confession, if you guys know anything about that, would say what is, we exist for what? The purpose is to glorify God and enjoy Him what forever, right? Very John Piperish, if you guys know that preacher, okay? Is the best way He's glorified is by what? When we enjoy Him. So I think the way we glorify God is actually enjoy praying to God. Enjoy talking to God. Okay? So everything we do should be for the glory of God. Um, so therefore include the subset of all that must include prayer. Turn with me also as well to 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 11. Okay? Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 11. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 11. Uh, when we turn there, um, could I have any volunteer? Maybe Derek, if Derek, if you're there, you, if you're uh, able to do First um, Peter chapter four verse eleven. Whoever speaks is to do. So as one who's speaking the utterances, utterances of God, whoever serves is a duke. So as one who is serving by the strength God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorifi glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Derek, for reading that. In the context, First Peter 4 is talking about us serving God. Okay, uh, I think among the many things we serve God include also what? Praying for others. Okay. I want to pay attention to the middle clause of this verse where it says, So that in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Okay, So God may be glorified through Jesus Christ is our aim, why we serve Him. And among all the many things we do for God, I think a subset should be praying for others. Okay, And how much more should we glorify God by praying? Okay, So let me establish this again. God is worthy is the first verse we looked at. The Last two verses we just saw establish we should do everything for God's glory. And I would say, argue that that includes prayer. Okay, 
Uh, and prayer include the function of giving Him glory and praising Him. Now let's turn real quick to Psalm 86, verse 12. Okay, Psalms 86, verse 12. You guys could turn there. Psalm 86, verse 12. Uh, Psalm 86, verse 12. Uh, Eric, would you be able to read that out loud for us with it unmuted? Psalm 86, verse 12. I will give thanks to you. Okay, thank you so much for reading that. Psalms 86, um, as like many other psalms, often are actually prayers. They might be poetic. They might even originally have been a song, though we no longer know what the lyrics sounds like. But here, Psalm 86 verse 12 is clearly a prayer because it's talking and addressing towards God. And here uh, the psalmist is saying, I will give thanks to you, O Lord my God. Right, And then notice this last part, second line, is and will glorify your name forever. Okay, So we see here the psalmist is to glorify God. And what that means, I think practically, I think these two lines are synonymous. They're giving more details. Okay, Hebrew poetry is not so much of rhyme, every single line. Okay, um, But more Hebrew poetry, I think, is more of like you ask, what is the relationship between these two lines? Are they antithetical? Are they synonymous? Are they similar? Are they advancing? Uh, if A, then B. Here I think is emphasizing more of synonymous um, with line one and line two. And so if the second line says we glorify your name forever, the first line tells us how we do that is we give thanks to you, you being God. Okay. So this include we see that prayer include the function of giving Him glory by what? By praising Him, okay? Listen, the way we praise God is what? By praising Him, okay? Remember this point? Um, this will be important even for the next few weeks, okay? Especially two weeks from now as we look at the objection. of Why do we pray if God is so sovereign, okay? It is really the purpose of prayer include what ultimately is to give God glory, okay? Uh, glorifying God also involves denying, trying to get glory for ourselves. Okay, When we focus on giving God glory, um, that means we deny ourselves the glory that we want to give ourselves sometimes. But it's actually rightfully given. Uh, the right for that is actually should be given to God. Okay, um, Let's turn real quick with me to Psalm 115 verse 1. I know a few weeks ago we were looking at the Hallel Psalms, right? In marching towards uh, Resurrection Sunday and Good Friday. Psalm 115 verses 1. Um, Psalm 115 verses 1. When we turn there. Um, Josh, could you read that out loud? Psalm 115 verses 1. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name. Give glory because of your loving kindness, because of your truth. Okay. Why should the nation say, where now is there a God? Okay. Uh, here, uh, I think we... Isn't there a song? Like, when I read that, sometimes I think, Not to Us, by Chris Tomlin. Okay. Yeah, I don't know my songs. Okay. Um, but this kind of remind me uh, of that, right? It's like, some of you guys might be reading this and can't help but to sing, right? Just like how some of us can't help but every time we say the alphabet, we start singing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. True or not, Right? So in light of this, okay, uh, not to us, uh, but to your name be the glory. 
so notice here what the psalmist is saying here is saying, okay, when I give God glory, when I pray to give God glory, I'm not trying to steal the glory. I'm not a glory robber, okay? Uh, you're giving glory fully towards God that He included, okay? So I think this impact, that our purpose of prayer ultimately is to glorify God. So then as application, now we're going to application. Do you pray with the intent to glorify God? Okay. Do you pray with the intent to glorify God? Uh, I think sometimes we could view praying as just a place to just basically unwind or to complain. Okay. I do think there is a difference between lament and prayer. And outwardly, it might look the same in wordings. But the heart motivation is different. Because when you look at the Psalms, when people lament their situation, they ultimately, in the end, find their trust in God. Find their trust in God and still could say, hey, you know, everything is for your glory. Here, we asked as an application, do you pray purposely with the intent of glorifying God, of giving Him thanks, uh, of praising Him, of lifting Him up, okay? By the way, the Hebrew word for glory, literally in the Hebrew, way back in the day, it actually has, the Hebrew word is kabod, which actually means weight or heavy, okay? Just like the same thing, you know, if you were to have a cow, um, if your cow is glorious around your neighborhood and your village, it's going to be, what, more weighty than the others, okay? And like I mentioned even a few weeks ago, our idea of beauty in America today is what? It's a little different, okay, than, than maybe throughout most of history, okay? Um, the idea of beauty is super what? Super, super skinny where you feel like buying that person a $6 sandwich and say, hey, eat it right now, right? But all that is to say... The glory uh, is the idea of beauty even back then was a little more weight. So in light of all this, okay, we see in Psalm 86, uh, Psalm 115, uh, we give glory to God, right? Uh, and we don't steal His glory. We make Him greater than everything else. So do you realize um, that you must pray with the intention of glorifying God? Second application question, do you realize that a prayerless life is a symptom of life when you're trying to maybe, when you're trying to get glory for yourself? I think it's important to ask sometimes if your life is totally without prayer, sometimes that might be a symptom that you're focusing on getting glory for yourself more than giving glory to God, okay? Whenever we're not giving glory to our, I think God has designed us to always give glory to something. It's The question is whether it's God or ourself or we give glory to something else that we call that an idol, okay? So when we don't pray, when we have a prayerless life, I think we must ask the question is what do we give glory to? Okay, what do you speak well about? What do you speak well about if you're not speaking well and praise towards God and about God? Okay, so I think it's important to identify whatever the idol is and turn to the Lord, right? Forsaking that and asking God's grace for that. Okay, third application question is also praying to God, especially with the act of thanksgiving, is to realize your dependence on God. Okay. When you give glory to God, when you say God is worthy, I think there's a sense where also there is a relationship of dependence upon God, okay? Also as well, when you're focusing on giving God His glory, okay? So again, the purpose of prayer, the very first priority of purpose is to glorify God. So then the second point we're going to look at, and third point, is all the purpose of prayer, but it's always under what? Subordinate to the first purpose, which is to glorify God, okay? So if the first purpose of prayer, the ultimate purpose of prayer is to ascribe glory to God, the second A, or the second priority of purpose, is to associate relationally with God, okay? Is to associate relationally with God. 
Remember, prayer is a relationship, is communication with God, okay? Prayer is nothing more as, as simple as saying what? It is communication with God. Now, just like when I communicate with my wife, there might be different, or my daughters, there's different aspects, there's different facets, um, there's different uh, components with communication. Same thing also as well, prayer might also have different components in how we address God. But still, nevertheless, prayer is about communication. If it's about communication, then therefore, one of the purpose of prayer, the second priority of the purpose of prayer, is actually to associate relationally with God. In other words, prayer is a relationship with God. Why do you and I should pray to God? It's simply because to have a what relationship with God. Okay. Um, in terms of relationship, any relationship involves us what seeking after that person. Okay. For instance, if I want to communicate to someone I have not communicated in a long time, let's just say to a relative of mine or a family member of mine that lives in another country. What I, the first thing I need to do is what? Seek that person, okay? So in establishing that the priority, uh, the second priority and purpose of prayer is to associate relationally with God, we're going to ask, are there Bible verses that talk about us seeking God? And the answer, of course, is yes, okay? Turn with me first to First Chronicles, First Chronicles 16, verse 11, okay? First Chronicles uh, 16, verse 11, First uh, Chronicles six. I'm gonna ask Hui if possible. Uh, Hui, is it possible you read First Chronicles sixteen verse eleven? First Chronicles chapter sixteen verse eleven. Look to the Lord in His strings. Seek His face always. Amen. Okay. By the way, uh, uh, the version you use is it New International Version or something else? It's uh, NIV. NIV. Okay. Good. Okay. Um, so it says, look to the Lord. My version says, seek. We have the same idea, right? The idea of looking or seeking. It's an intentional uh, pursuit of God. Okay. In the context here in First uh, Chronicles is actually David is bringing the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. Now, I before David was kind of like an important king. It was also a transition period in Israel history. Before David's time, it was what? Uh, God's... Uh, Basically, the institution of worship is what is called tabernacle. Tabernacle means tent, okay? They'll separate one part that's holy of holy, and then the holy part, and then the court, uh, and all the other parts. Now, after David, because of his desire, he would want to build something more permanent, because he looked at God's blessing, him having a house, and he's saying, hey, how could I have a nice palace when God's own um, institution of worship for us, where he's... Uh, communing with us is just a tent. So then he desired to what? Build a temple. Now because he's a man of war, he's a man of violence, God said, you know what? It's not going to be you, but your next son, the next ruler will establish that. And that person is who? King Solomon. But nevertheless, he knows that day is coming. King David starts setting up things up logistically for that day to happen for his son. In 1 Corinthians 16, in the context of bringing the tabernacle, to uh, the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem, uh, here he is, uh, is a joyful occasion, and it's an occasion to celebrate and worship God. So if you look with me in verses 7 of this chapter, 1 Chronicles 16, verse 7, you see that he commissioned a man named Asaphah to what? Write worship songs, okay? And don't you see that name? I can't even pronounce that name right, okay? Is it Asaphah? Asaph, okay, whatever the name is, okay? Don't, don't follow me with the pronunciation of Hebrew, okay? Sorry. 
ASAP sounds so different than what I said, okay? So ASAP, okay, um, just totally sapped my energy there, okay? So, uh, no, no, it's good. I need to be corrected, okay? Uh, just like a long time ago, I used to say preach, I used to say Mary um, Maligny instead of Mary Magdalene or whatever that name is. Just totally butchered, okay? So here we see, um, we know, we see a lot of songs he's written in what? The book of Psalms, right? Uh, with the Psalters, you see that. And here, a part of the songs that he has a worship include the wording in verses 11. And notice how many times the word seek appears here, or look. How many times does it appear? In fact, in Hebrew, it's the same word that appears, even though the English might be different, some of your version. The word seek appears twice, okay? It tells us twice, and it's repeating twice. That's probably important to seek what? The Lord. Whether it calls His face or the Lord, it says it twice, okay? And by the way, both of these uh, verbs are actually imperatives, that is, is a command, okay? It's telling us, it's not saying, hey, maybe it's a good idea, maybe you should do that, something that's more just of grammatically an idea. But this is actually imperative, saying, hey, you, you do this, okay? Uh, you do this. This is something that is a requirement for God's people is to seek the Lord. Some of you guys that might be more technical may say, well, that's Old Testament. That's talking about Israel. Do we also, do Gentiles, do those that are Israel, should we also seek the Lord? And the answer is, Yes, okay. Turn with me real quick to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17, verses 26 to 27. Acts 17, verses 26 to 27. Acts chapter 17, verses 26 to 27. Um, any volunteer want to read that out loud? Thank you, Mr. Burton. I can read it. Thank you, Mr. Burton. Okay. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and boundaries of their habitation, that they would seek God, mm. if perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each of us. Okay. This is beautiful. In the context, Paul is actually going to somewhere that's called uh, Mars Hill in Jerusalem, okay? He's witnessing to basically the philosophers of his days, okay? Um, he's witnessing to the philosopher of their day. When I read this, I think that I could picture the setting is almost like if we were to go evangelize. If you go to UCLA, there's a part where you walk to class that sometimes people avoid because why? There's all these people arguing for different isms, right? On Bruin Walk. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Okay. And imagine that little hill when you're going up to North Campus. We're divided North and South Campus. The science majors, right? All the South Campus. All the humanities and social sciences. North Campus and all that stuff, right? When you're going up that hill, aren't there all the crazy people out there arguing? Right? You see the what? The Marxists, right? And then you see the Leninist Marxists arguing with the more Maoist Marxists, right? With their, you know, shabby beard, right? And then you see guys that are what... Um, you know, different political movements, right? Um, those that say free Palestinians are there. So all of that, okay? So basically, this is where Paul was going, is where all the philosophers love to go to argue in back in their day. And I love what he does, is he does not compromise biblically. He's witnessing to them. In fact, in verses 26, he goes against popular Greek culture by saying, hey, every one of us came from one, what, man. Who's that man? Adam. So he's going by a biblical worldview. I bring this up to say some people interpret Acts 17 is to say, oh, they're contextualization. We, you know, we don't need the Bible. I think that's actually 
not the case. Paul is uh, presenting a clash of worldviews. Okay, um, here we see in verses twenty six, he's giving that. And by the way, for the Greeks, they did not believe everyone come from the same one person. In fact, they saw the Greeks are a much more superior ethnicity or race than what than the other. Okay, the rest of them they call what the Greek word is what. Barbar, because they think they just speak barbar, right? Barbarians, okay? So we see here that Paul is evangelizing with a biblical worldview. And then in verses 27, he says, Hey, you know, everything in God's sovereignty and he controls all of history was for the purpose of verse 27 that people, the nations, would seek God, okay? And they might grope and find him, okay? Which means what? God is all present everywhere. The way you could always seek God, no matter where you're at, is the reality of two things. Number one, his character, his attribute is that he's all present everywhere. And number two, that he is what? Able to hear us, okay? Able to hear our prayers. And we connect with him anywhere, anywhere around the world. Uh, physically, it's possible because he's all present. And number two is he's a God who what? You can pray to, okay? Of course, you need your sin to be dealt with, that kind of thing. But here we see definitely we could seek God, okay? Is what this verse uh, suggesting and even we're seeking him in the context of prayer, I think is the implication of that. So, what kind of relationship are believers to have with God? Um, I think remember when, when I say um, the danger of I think point number two when I say prayer, the purpose of prayer is relationship. Is I don't want it to make it where you and God to think that you and God are equal. Okay, it is not an equal relationship because our nature is different. First and foremost, we are creatures; He's Creator, right? We're finite, He is what? Infinite, okay? He's Lord and Master, and we are what? Servants, okay? So in light of this, we ask what kind of relationship uh, should also impact the way we pray, okay? When we're going to God, we're not just saying, hey, yo, buddy, yo, what's up, okay? No, it's not that. It's you're actually talking with God with reverence, knowing that He is Lord, knowing that He's our Master, and knowing that He is our loving Father also as well, okay? He's our loving Father, here we see, um, so I think what kind of relationship we have with God will determine what kind of way we relate to Him. And our relationship should be that we rely on Him and trust in Him. And relying and trusting Him, the biblical word for that is what? Is faith. Okay. So turn with me real quick to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Hebrews 11, verse 6. Hebrews 11, verse 6. When we turn there, any volunteer want to read that out loud for us? Hebrews 11, verse 6. I'll read it. Thank you. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he welcomes to God must be believed. Must believe what he is. And that he is the rewarder of those who seek him. Yeah. I want to pay attention to two words here in this verse. The word faith that appears and the word seek. Okay. Uh, we know of the first part of this verse is that without faith, that the word faith simply means trust, okay? If you don't trust Him, it doesn't please God. God wants to be... The way to please God is what? We must have trust in Him. We must have faith, okay? And also we need to trust in Him with this truth, as it says, that if we seek Him, He will reward us, okay? So there is a relationship between seek and trust, okay? In fact, if you're trusting in God, you're already seeking God to put your trust in. So in light of this, the second reason, the second purpose of why we pray is really because we could have a relationship with Him. It is a sense that we're seeking Him. 
Okay, we're seeking Him out. But even then, I also think God's working our heart to give us a heart to be able to to desire to seek Him. Okay, um, so we pray, um, and it shows our relations and our dependence upon Him when we pray. Okay, and I think this kind of helps when you think about that the purpose of prayer, that the second purpose of prayer, the first is of course is what to glorify who, God. Okay, um, is to glorify God. Then the second uh, part is what is to have a relationship with. And I think that actually answers a lot of things with regards to sometimes people say, why pray? Okay, For instance, you might say, um, if you're able to do something, should you still pray to God about it? Let's just say you do well at work. You are number one in terms of what you do at work. Or let's just say you're a student and you're the top 10%. Is it, should you still pray for what you do? The answer is yes, okay? But some of us might say, wait, I already don't need help. Why should I pray? Well, remember the first one is to glorify God, right? He's given us the capacity, okay? Mentally and otherwise, right? And the physical capacity, okay? And the resources, the financial capability, all of that. But I think the most important thing we must never forget is prayer is really about a relationship. I think a good example to me is I always think of Jesus Christ. Could He do things on His own power? If Jesus Christ is fully God, did He need God the Father to do things? The answer, does he have enough capability and power on his own? And I think because he's divine in his nature, he can do it on his own. But why does he pray? Why does he pray to God the Father? I mean, there's many complex theological reasons. One is he's uh, living uh, the life that we should have lived, right? By actually keep on trusting God the Father and all he does. So in his humanity, he's not pulling his God part to cheat. He's going to God the Father and the Holy Spirit is the one that gives him capability to do things. Just like all of us to fulfill the law of active obedience to impute that to us. That's a fancy theological thing of why he does it. But the other reason why I think is prayer is mainly a relationship. Prayer is mainly a relationship. That is why God, the Son, Jesus Christ, is someone who trusts in the sovereignty of God like no one else does compared to all of us. And yet he could also be someone that is very fervent in his prayer. Okay, I'm jumping ahead for next week's lesson already or two weeks from now. Um, but here we see um, that prayer is the purpose of what is to communicate. Okay, now you guys know I love to tell stories a lot. And I ask my daughters, do I tell a lot of stories? Yeah. All my girls shake their head yes. Okay, uh, do I tell a lot of stories to my wife? I've known my wife since 2004, last 16 years. Could my wife finish some of my stories I began? I was like, I don't know if I ever told you, Nancy, but this one time in Marines or whatever, and then she could what? Same thing, okay? Some of the things my wife tells me, stories also as well. But the purpose of all of this is not just to, you know, say, hey, I heard it all. But part of love is also what? Part of love, I hope you don't say put up with me, but that's true. Uh, but also part of love is communication, okay? It is communication. It is communication between a spouse. And how much more is it for God, okay? When you tell God what's going on in your life, it's not because, hey, God, how come you don't know? No, that's not why you tell him. But it's actually a relationship that we are made primarily in the image of God as beings who are able to communicate. And God in His fullness is a God who communicates. He's a God who's there and He's not silent. And therefore that is why we commune. We must never forget the relational dimension of the purpose of prayer. So in that light, let me ask as application question. Prayer is about a relationship with God first. So do you see praying to Him as a chore? Do you see praying to Him as a chore? Okay. Uh, are you reminded 
that the fact that prayer is mainly a communication with God. Okay, prayer is about a relation, uh, uh, communication with God. And by the way, when others tell you you should communicate to God, don't be right away upset. Okay, sometimes my sisters. This is where I'm so thankful for my sisters. They remind me and say, "Hey, you should call mom." Should I be upset when they remind me I should call my mom? The answer is no. Okay. They should be, and as I'm reminded, I realize, oh, I do have an obligation. But the obligation also is not just a mere duty, but it also is an obligation to, what, delight in communicating with my mom, right? So my mom, this is reminding me, hey, Mother's Day, don't forget, you should call. So I called twice, first with my daughters, and another time I say, hey, I want to really let you know, I'm not just doing a mere obligation, I just want to let you know, talk to you one-on-one mom, to say thank you for all that you've done. I bring that as examples to say is this same thing with our prayer. It's not just a chore. But even when others remind you and preach to you and also exhort you and challenge you to pray, you should be seen as a delight because it's a relationship. You have the privilege to have a relationship to communicate to God. Second application question I want to ask is this. How's your relationship with God? You realize we easily fool ourselves a lot of time, Right? Uh, we easily fool ourselves. We often think we're better than what we really are. True or not? We often think we are better than what we really are. Okay. By the way, self-confidence has no, necess- no necessary correlation with merits and result. Okay? I know I say this all the time. There's been studies done where they went all around the world. They asked in different continents. Like, how confident in your math ability? Uh, I hate to say this, but around the world... Americans are very generally speaking on average and median. Uh, um, we're pretty confident in our math capability, okay? But then if you go to the continent Asia, their confidence, do you guys think, is higher or lower than the average Americans? Their self-confidence is much more lower. But then when you look at the aptitude test, right, the more objective aptitude test, there is a, there is a difference, Okay. There is a difference in terms of result. So given the fact that we easily deceive ourselves, I think we go back and ask, how's my relationship with God? And one of the major ways we examine truthfully our relationship with God is examine what is the quality and the quantity of our prayer life. How often do you pray to Him? How often do you talk to Him? And what do you talk to Him about? Do you pray in terms of all the function of what prayer is the different aspect of prayer, thanksgiving, praise, right? If your life you confess to God, praise God. Praise God. We confess to God. Praying is better than not praying. But our prayer purpose and confession is not just only to feel guilty and have it removed and atoned for, but eventually we want to move to what? Praise Him and renewal with Him and to be able to make requests, etc. So in light of all this, how's your prayer life? Knowing that it's about a relationship is one of the purpose of prayer. Third application. Sometimes the best way to work on your relationship with others is also to work on your relationship with God. I know when I've preached on relationship with our church series, I've always said the most easiest person to love is actually God. Okay? Is actually God. Now, I'm not saying it's easy. The reason why it's not easy is because of our selfishness, our sin. But I'm talking about if there's anyone that's objectively beautiful or attractive that you want to communicate with and have a relationship, it's God, okay? If you say you love yourself more, well, there's times if you're very honest with yourself, we hate ourselves because of our sin, right? 
We want to crucify our sinful nature because of all that. So objectively speaking, in terms of their attribute as a person, the most easiest person to love is God. Now, if, we're, if that relationship is terrible, what, do you think, what makes you think you'll be able to love others well that are fallen, that are sinful, that are what? Finite and that are also totally depraved? And wretched and wicked because of our sinful nature. So sometimes the best way to work with our relationship with others is also work in our relationship to God. Right? To work with our relationship with God. If you can't even see the glory, glory of God and the beauty of God and appreciate it, what makes you think you'd be able to find those nuggets in someone that's very broken, very sinful? So work with that. Realizing prayer is a relationship with God. Work in your prayer life with God. Seek God first. Okay? Let's go to point number three. Point number three is, in terms of the purpose of why we pray, is third point is to ask for God's benefit for us, okay? By the way, each one of these points are all related to the first, in terms of subordinate, okay? If you realize um, it's, everything's for God's glory, that also shapes the way you have relationship with God, right? You depend on Him, you trust in Him, and He gets a glory when, he, uh, when you trust in Him to provide, to work in your life. And you, you say, praise God, right? So the third one, third point, when I say ask for God's benefit for us, I am not going over prosperity gospel, okay? I'm not saying whatever you name it, you claim it. Whatever you blab it, you grab it, okay? It's not about health and wealth and all of that, okay? But nevertheless, we also need to realize when we ask for God's benefit, it is tied to God's glory. It's praying for God's glory first. And even Jonathan Edward even said that when we when we ask but we focus on God's glory it spills over to what that when we do get what we want we glorify God even more okay so there is a relationship with these three things so let's establish that we uh, one of the purpose of prayer is to ask for God's benefit for our lives and I intentionally picked the word benefit because originally I was going to say pray to God for our wants I mean our needs then I realized wait could we pray for things that we want that we don't need I think there's a place for that so, third point we established, one of the purpose of prayer is to ask for God's benefit for us, okay? If you guys could turn with me to Matthew 21, verses 22. Matthew 21, verses 22. Matthew 21, verses 22. Matthew 21, verses 22. Um, this is Jesus Christ speaking, and He says things. It says this, and all things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive, okay? So he's emphasizing here we can ask, okay? Uh, a few weeks from now, we're going to go over, I hope to go over also, we need to pray according to God's will, okay? Uh, we shouldn't say, oh, we're, hey, if two or three gather, therefore I could pray that I could rob the bank and be successful. Hey, but the Bible says we're two or three gather. No, that's not how it works. We do pray according to God's revealed will too, informing us and shaping the boundaries of how we pray. But here we see when we pray to God, part of it is also we ask for things. And it is one of the purpose of, of why we pray, okay? Again, it's all tied to God's purpose. It's also to, for Him to be glorified, right? When you get what you want, if your purpose first is to priority, why you pray is to glorify God, then when you get something, you praise Him, and therefore you're giving Him back the glory, okay? And therefore your relationship 
with God. It's, that's part of the dynamic mentioned also as well, which is the second uh, purpose and priority of, of prayer. Turn with me also as well to James chapter 1, verses 6 to 8. Okay, James chapter 1, verses 6 to 8. We're just establishing that one of the purpose of prayer is to ask for God's benefit. James chapter 1, verses 6 to 8. Any volunteer want to read James chapter 1, verses 6 to 8? Okay, thank you, Christopher. Um, but he must ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driving and tossed by the wind. For that man not, ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Yeah. Thank you for reading that, right? Uh, quite appropriate, Christopher, and down in San Diego read that, huh? We went to school near La Jolla at UCSD where you look out and I don't know if I would ever graduate if I went to UCSD, right? Just a beautiful beach there and just seeing the foams and all of that, right? And here's a point that James is trying to say. We must ask in faith without doubt, right? Otherwise, if we doubt, what does it look like? The analogy is like things that's in water just foaming and just being tossed by the wind, so there is a point where we do ask, in the context specifically what we're asking for in this context of James is actually asking for wisdom, okay? So it is good to ask God for wisdom. It is good and it's biblical and it is God's will, okay? So we see here there is a place as we establish a third purpose of prayer is to ask for God's benefit for us, including that of prayer, okay? Sometimes the benefit we ask for is we got to have the right priority, just like Solomon. Remember, God could have granted anything. What did he ask for, God? Did he ask for wealth? Boundaries increased? No, he asked for what? Wisdom. To execute what is God's will. And how do we know God's will is whatever is the wisest thing to do is God's will. Okay? Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. It says, let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so uh, actually, am I reading right? uh, so that you would know how, no, I'm reading Colossians, sorry, my mistake. Philippians 4, 6 uh, says this, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, okay? So we see here that we can pray for benefits, right? Uh, and make requests and supplication, as it says here. And that's one of the reasons why we ought not to be anxious, is that we can go to God and ask Him for things, okay? And ask Him for things, okay? So we see here, there is a place to ask God. And I know sometimes, even when I witness sometimes, in terms of talking to people, some people say, you know what? I really love God. I never go to God and ask Him for what I want. I always pray only for people. And I'm sure you guys have heard people say that. And I understand what they're trying to say. There's some people that only, their prayer request is only about themselves, okay? There's some people's prayer request is only about themselves, okay? And even in, the, in our church in the past, I remember there's always this individual when I was young. You never see him appear until Pastor Andrew pointed out to me. He said, have you noticed whenever the guy shows up, it's only because he got fired from his job. Then he shows up. I said, huh. 
So I noticed another time he showed up, and I asked, how's your job? And he says, oh, could, I, could you pray for me? And I was like, wow, Andrew, you're pretty insightful into people's human nature. I bring up to say this, not to knock down on that, because we could pray for our job, and we should. There is a place for that. But I understand that some people could say, oh, hey, look, some people's prayer is just so selfish. It's only about give me, give me, give me. But then they go the other wrong extreme, where they say, you never go to God to ask for God's benefit in your life. And that's not fully biblical either. Okay, so in terms of this, number three is there is a place to ask for God's benefit for our, uh, for us. And by the way, for those that never pray for God's benefit for our life, that also sometimes shows that you're only relying on your own what power, which is also a form of sin of pride, that kind of thing also as well. Okay, although I want to be nuanced, some people sometimes say, "Oh, I don't ask for God's for things." Is there are some of them sometimes are driven by already being so thankful, right? That God has done so much for them. So most of their prayer is focusing on being thankful and praying for others, okay? So I don't want to like caricature totally with that, okay? So here we see it is biblical to pray for God's benefit for us, okay? So let me review again. Uh, these three points today we looked at is the purpose of prayer. Next week I want to look at is um, maybe the misplaced um, motivation of prayer. Like sometimes people... Um, there is a place to pray for things, but sometimes people could have misplaced uh, motivation for prayer in terms of priority. So next week I want to go over that. Okay, But let me review again today. We see the three A's concerning the purpose of prayer uh, so that we would pray and pray purposely to God today. The three A as a reminder is, number one is to ascribe glory to God. Number two, associate relationally with God. And number three is to ask for God's benefit for us. But there's an elephant in this room, in the room, do we not have, in light of when we see all the purpose of God? We could see very easily, if you really think about it very hard, you're going to see that there's a big elephant in the room. Because number one, if the purpose of, uh, of prayer is to give glory or ascribe glory to God, we fall short of the glory of God, right? Romans 3.20, what? 3. We're sinful, okay? When you talk about associate relationally with God, Romans 3, 10, 11 says our sinful nature, we don't want to seek God, true or not. We are so sinful, we seek our own glory, and we also don't want to be with God the way we should be, okay? And then the third point, when we say to ask for God's benefit, we also know sometimes we ask for things, it's really for our sinful pleasure, okay? And how can we ask for things if we are, like the first two points I said, we fall short, we're sinful, Right? Why would God uh, bless us when we are so sinful we deserve God's wrath? So this is where the good news comes in. There is one thing we could always pray for that God answers the prayer 100%. If anyone pray genuinely is what? We go to God and confess our sins and ask Him for His forgiveness and ask Him to save us from our sins. Will God answer that prayer? 100% of the time. Okay, 100% of the time. So in light of this, I want to end with even with the gospel. The reason why we could go to God and pray for His glory is because of Christ, in Christ, who washed us, who saved us. The reason why we could even have a relationship with God is because of Christ. The why we associate with is because Christ built, um, removed the bridge of us being removed from God relationally and changing our hearts also as well to love God. Okay, And the reason why we could ask for God is always in the name of Jesus Christ, who is what? Our intercessor also as well, the person that prays for us, even continuously right now in heaven, he's praying to God the Father. And all of that 
And when we look at this, we must see that this is all possible of Christ. And we must ask, have you trusted in Christ as your Lord and Savior?